Good morning, church. Have a seat. Good to be with you. Glad you're all here. Glad you're joining us online. want to welcome our guests. Listen, if you're here in the house this morning and you are our guest, please stop by the Welcome Center. We have something for you by just saying thanks for being here with us. And church, those Connect cards in front of you, if there's anything that we can be praying for you, 
for or about, or we can join you and just helping you connect in any way. It could be questions about C groups. It could be questions on how to connect. Uh, it could be questions about membership or any events we have go going on or just things that we can connect with you about. Please use those connect cards in front of you. Fill it out and drop it in the box as you leave or give it to the people at the Welcome Center. They would love to just connect with you and also to, to just to get those from you, receive those from you, and then we'll follow up with you, just anything that you list on there. Uh, we'd love to serve you as your church. Uh, Crossroads, I'm, I'm really thankful for what God is doing here, and the one thing I want to share is that we have our trunk and treat coming up on the 26th of October, and so there's a few things there. One, sign your kids up. Make sure you sign up to, to bring them and just participate in the event, and also, too, uh, we are just we want to ask you, in your bulletin, there's a little handout looks just like this. I encourage you to grab this and be in prayer for somebody that you can invite uh, to this Trunk and Treat event. This is a cultivating event. This is an event where we are trying to reach out and to stir it up. And uh, as we encourage people and just say, hey, listen, come on up to Crossroads. We have this awesome event. We'd love for you to just to come on up and, and, and listen and invite someone to join you, to come with you. Maybe you carpool. Uh, maybe you just meet here, whatever the situation may be, but this is a great opportunity to invite someone to be a part of this event. Uh, you know, and maybe somebody that you know, you know, has maybe doesn't even have a church or maybe doesn't have, you know, this type of uh, uh, an event on their calendar. Just reach out to them and be, be in prayer. And this is a tool and a resource for all of us to invite somebody to, to be there on this 26th of October. So sign your kids up and then also encourage somebody, invite them to sign their kids up and be a part of this event. This is going to be a really great opportunity uh, to serve our church, to serve our community, and anyone else who comes up. Um, and then on the 23rd, just to back up a few days, we're having our, our, our team meeting for any of those who are volunteering and being a part of this team uh, to serve at Cross or to serve at Trunk and Treat. And we're going to have it on the 23rd of October next Sunday at 1230 right here on the auditorium. And don't worry, the Steelers game is at 8 o'clock, so we'll, have a, we'll, ha we'll, be out, we'll be out in less than an hour, but we're going to go through all the important information uh, that for those who are helping out on the team for Trunk and Treat. That's going to be next weekend. And then also, too, I want to let you know about our Charles Billingsley concert uh, that's going to be coming up on the 15th and 16th. Uh, Charles is a Grammy-nominated, award-winning uh, musician. He is he's a great guy. He's hilarious, and he is a, a truly a, a, a great He's a joy to watch, and so I encourage you to invite somebody to be a part of this with you and, and sit with you and just get warmed up for the Christmas season. It's going to be uh, a Christmas. Uh, it's going to be a dessert uh, as well. After the concert in the gym, there's going to be desserts and fellowship, and we're going to have a great time. So that's going to be the 15th and 16th. You can get your tickets on the front page of our website. And then also, too, I want to let you know that coming up, we're going to be having our um, Operation Christmas Child. We're going to be having uh, just our packing party on the 13th of November. And then also, too, you can go to our website and see things like a how to pack a shoebox online. And then also, you're going to be able to grab those boxes here shortly um, in the next couple weeks. I want to let you know that our fifth and sixth grade uh, ministry on Sunday mornings, uh, Kim and Adam Brenneman got a group together at their house with fifth and sixth grade, and they packed 300, or they, sorry, they prepped 350 boxes. They, they got them flat, and they folded them. So can we thank God for the fifth and sixth graders putting that together? I thought that was awesome. Really, really cool. And so that, what a great way to serve and just get those kids involved. So great job, guys. Church, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving, and thank you for just being faithful unto the Lord. Our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so thank you for being faithful as a form of worship back to God, that which he's given us. Church, would you stand as we pray this morning and continue on?
Father, thank you for uh, just your love. Thank you for your kindness. Uh, thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, you, sh- you showed us how to give. Uh, you gave. For God so loved the world that you gave your one and only son. Thank you for giving your son Jesus uh, to us. And Lord, we, uh, we want to respond in giving, uh, Lord, and to just worship you uh, through our finances, the Lord, to worship you with our lives. And so thank you for growing us as your church. And Lord, this morning, we just thank you for the community here. We thank you for the fellowship that's already happened and will happen. And uh, Lord, this is a special place and we know it because you're at the center of it. So Lord, thank you for calling this gathering and Lord, for just being amidst uh, our he- here and just your presence is, is everywhere. So Lord, help us to just connect with you in a powerful way and to walk out of here different because we've had time with you. We've met with you. Uh, Lord, be with your church as we respond and worship. We love you so much, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt
that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame, now this gospel truth of all shall thanking you and praising you for such an awesome, beautiful day and the, another opportunity to come into your house and worship you and to hear from you. Father, we ask that you please touch Pastor Ken, Lord, give him the words to say that you would use him this morning to speak to us. Help everyone in this house here today that our hearts and our minds would be open to hear from you, God, that we would just come here and be in your presence. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. been talking about the church. We've been looking at the different pictures that God has given us of the church. As you're looking at different pictures, I'm reminded right now everybody's taking pictures outside, aren't you? The leaves are, are so beautiful. I'm colorblind and I can tell the leaves are changing. I mean, it's amazing. What a beautiful place. I've been getting into this. I've been researching a little bit. Like, we are like not, the rest of the world doesn't have this. We're in a very unique place um, to, to see all this happening. And so, <clears throat> the, you know, the Northeast region is a beautiful place. And it's, uh, it's going to get even more beautiful as we get blanketed with snow, right? So, <clears throat> but as we think of pictures, <clears throat> excuse me, as we think of pictures this morning, there's several pictures that we've looked at. We have looked at the church as a family. We've looked at the church as a body. We've looked at the church as a bride. These are snapshots that we see in the scripture. And today, we're going we're gonna to take a, another look. You know, we've been looking at the church. We've been telling you that the church is not a building that you go to. 
So you've been seeing that picture I've been putting up every week. The church is not a building that you go to. But uh, we are going to look here today at another analogy, another picture that, that the Scriptures tell us here. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to go there in just a few moments, we see he talks about a temple. He says that you're a living temple. So the temple that I have up there, that's a, a picture of, the, of one of the Greek gods' temples. Uh, I think uh, Mashido is, was, was the name, if, I believe, if I've got that correct. He, uh, he, it's one of the longest-lasting artifacts that we have in one of those temples. They build them out of stone, and it's a, a very incredible thing to go look at those things. I'd love to tour that land one of these days and see some of those ancient relics. But uh, the, the people that Peter was talking to, in 1 Peter here, remember, he's writing to new believers in the Roman Empire. So all these new believers, they're coming out, and this is when he says temple, this is what they're thinking. So when he's telling them to build the house of God, to build the temple, they think that. They think the temple of Zeus. They think the temple of Apollo. Uh, they think the temple of Mashido. And the list goes on and on of the, of the Greek gods, and they all knew that the Greek gods had their, their temples. <clears throat> but he was going to take them, and he was going to draw them more over towards towards what the, uh, what the Old Testament was talking about, towards what the Jewish people understood of the temple. The temple was the place where God dwelt. And so as you look in the Old Testament, you see first God told them to, to build a tabernacle. We call it the tent of meeting. Look here in Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So here was this tabernacle. That word tabernacle means dwelling place. It was the dwelling place of the Lord. And so what God did was he said, I want my people to know that I am always with them. So he had them set up this tent. I think I have a picture of an artist's rendition of this. They set up this tent-like structure. They would go there. They would worship there. They would offer their sacrifices there. And, uh, and, and this would be the place that the Spirit of the Lord would come down. They would see the pillar of the cloud by day and the fire by night so that at anywhere from their encampment they could look over and they could know that the, that the presence of the Lord is with them. You see, God wanted us to know that he is here, he is with us, he is near to us. And so, so as they, they built this, according to the specs that the Lord had them build it, eventually... Solomon, after they move into the, to the land of Israel and they get their, their permanent home, uh, Solomon says that he wants to build the temple. So King Solomon actually builds a temple. And the next picture I have is a, a replica of Herod's temple. This is not Solomon's temple, but Herod's temple. Just so that you can get an idea. Uh, it's a model of, the, of Herod's temple. So that you can get an idea of what this was like. <clears throat> These people came there and they offered their sacrifices. They came, and it was the, the sacrificial system. They brought their, their animals, and they sacrificed their animals and their different grain offerings and all the different offerings that they were told to bring unto the Lord. So the temple was about God's presence. The temple was about the dwelling place of the Lord. Like, God came down. They saw it. They knew he was there, and it was comforting. It was guiding, and it was encouraging to them. It was also a place of worship. They came, and they worshiped to the Lord there. And then it was also the location. God strategically put this on the map in Israel, in Jerusalem, because if you were to go and you were to look at that area, you had Egypt off to the left on the map there. You have other empires off to the right. You have the Roman Empire coming in. And so if, any, if you wanted to get to these other empires, you would cross through this part. You would make your way through. And so that temple was there so that all nations would know about God. So it wasn't just, hey, 
my people only. It was you're my people, and then I'm going to use you to reach the entire world. And so Paul takes this, I'm sorry, Peter takes this background here, and he comes in and he says, I want you to understand this. Church is not just a place that you go to. Um, And as we look here this morning, we find here in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to go there in a minute, but before I do, the first point in your notes is this, is that we experience the presence of God. As the church, we experience the presence of God. Would you read that with me? We experience the presence of God. It is not just a theology. It's not just a set of documentations. It's not just an ancient manuscript. There is something alive here, and we experience, just like the Spirit of the Lord came down in the tabernacle, the church today, we experience the Lord coming down in the church. And when you understand this, and you got to understand it's not just the building. This is the building that we used to gather in, but this is the place where we gather. However, the church is the bigger part. It's every one of us. Some, things, some of the things he called Israel to do, we are going to get to do. First of all, we experience the presence of God. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. He first of all says, as you come to him, he's talking to these new believers. As you're coming to him from Zeus, from Apollo, from all the various different gods, and you're discovering that Jesus is not a god, Jesus is the God. He's the one and only God. As you come to him, the living stone, as you come to him, Jesus, he's the living stone. This, he's talking now, he's talking about a living building, not brick and mortar. He's talking about a living board, uh, living building. He said, and furthermore, he's going to talk in just a few moments in the scripture. He says that he refers to Jesus as the cornerstone. So everything God is doing in the world, he is doing through Jesus Christ. I want you to catch that. God's plan is through Jesus Christ. And so everything that you see God do today is through the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. And you and I, we are being built up. He says that he was rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to God. So he was rejected by men. And then he says that you also are like living stones. We're being built into the spiritual house. So we are these living stones. Like here's Jesus is the cornerstone and he's building us upon there. Uh, this picture that I have up here of the, of the stones, of, the, of a wall, that kind of shows me a lot of what the church is like. Like we're not a bunch of red bricks and we're all the same, are we? We're like this. We're every different size. We have all different gifts. We have all kind of differences that come together. But yet, because, even though we're so different, God builds us together in his house. And he says that he is building a spiritual house That's the temple, the spiritual house. So as you come to him, the temple is not marble and stone, but it's you and you and you and you and you and you and me. It's every one of us, the body of Christ. As we come together, we now have the analogy of the temple, which is the dwelling place of God. And so could you imagine trying to explain to a new believer, hey, now you're a follower of Jesus. Oh, that's great. Well, where's the temple? Uh, Well, we don't have one. Where's your sacrifices? Well, Jesus was our sacrifice. 
And furthermore, you are the temple. Very interesting. Peter says here that we are the temple, and it's not a building. It is us, the ecclesia, the God's called out ones. Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build the church. God, Jesus himself, is building the church. He's building it. He's the cornerstone. He's laying you in as another stone. I look here, look at the stones that were laid before me. I look at Pastor John. I look at that generation that has gone before me when I was a kid here. All those stones have been laid. I'm, I'm on top of those stones. We're, we're building, and it's the foundation, but I'm not building on Pastor John. I'm building on that cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And so the church continues. The church grows because we are human people that God has saved and called us unto himself, and he's placed us into his body. But the early church, I want you to catch this, the early church didn't meet in, home, in, in buildings for about the first 300 years. After Christ rose from the dead, the book of Acts says that they went to temple courts and house to house. Eventually, they were out of the temple courts. And so they ended up in a house-to-house movement. Today, we try to do that today in the church. This is our temple court. This is our large group. Then a smaller group, meeting around homes, meeting around smaller groups. We have a men's group on Wednesday, women's group on Wednesday. We have different groups meet on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, all different times. People are gathering together at their house. And as they come together, this is the church coming together. And they are the expression of the presence of God. So when you come in here this morning, this is an expression of the presence of God because we are the church. We together are the church. We are this temple. I was meeting with a missionary this week. And the missionary, I met him for breakfast. He was a, said that he grew up in Bentleyville. He lived there until he was 12 years old. And, um, and then he explained to me that he was now a missionary. He went off, he moved, he told me his whole story. How I got to the mission field, and he's in Kurdistan. And he has a vision, a, a dream, a mission, I should say, to reach Turkey, Iran, a number of those countries that are in that area. And I started to talk to him. I said, well, how are you doing this? What's happening? And I'm thinking he's just got like a couple people. they got a small team. And, uh, and he says, yeah, God's blessing. I said, well, how many churches are you working with? He says, right now we have 16,000 house churches. That's in Muslim territory, 16,000. I'm eating breakfast with them out there in Bentleyville. I almost choked on my eggs. 16,000 home groups. It's the church. They don't need a building. They don't, they don't need, he said, you imagine if we were to start 16,000 churches, American style, where we went out and built buildings before anybody comes. He said, that's not what we're doing. We're going into homes. And there's thousands of people coming to Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for the movement of God. See, the church of Jesus Christ is, the the presence of God is not just in Jerusalem. Aren't you glad you don't have to go to Jerusalem to get to the presence of God? It's here in Finleyville. It's it's in those 16,000 house churches where they're getting 10, 20, 30 people together and they're meeting under trees. It's in the Timothy, and, uh, the Timothy initiative that we're working with over in the 1040 window. They have thousands upon thousands of groups. They're meeting under trees. They're meeting anywhere that they can. They're not putting money into a building. They are, there's a movement that is spreading like wildfire, and it's called the church. Why? Because the presence of God is here. 
You see, when we come together as the living stones, the presence of God comes down upon us just like that pillar of smoke, like that fire from God. That's what God does with us. And for, listen, we can take this for granted. It's so easy to take this for granted because we've always had the church. But God has given it to us, and it is to, to, to do this radical movement around the globe. Um, often people come to me after church and say, hey, you know, I, I don't know how to explain this, but I cried through the entire service. And I say, I apologize. I'll do better on the message next week. You know, but they'll tell me, I've, I've cried through the entire service. And they'll tell me, sometimes they'll tell me from the very first song, the very first song I started to cry and I couldn't stop. Other people will tell me that they made it to the parking lot, they opened the door and they were greeted on the parking lot and they began to become teary-eyed as they were walking into the church. And as they come into here throughout the whole service, they're sensing something, they don't know how to explain it, and they walk away and they tell me, man, I want to come back to this. Somebody just told me that last Sunday, and that's not the first person, and it won't be the last person. God does this every week. You know what it is? It's the spirit of the living God, and we are his temple. We are the dwelling place. So when the body of Christ comes together, whether it's a small group or a large group, we get together, we get to see the power of God. We get to see his presence. We get to see the glory of God. Now, I want you to think about this, the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was a prophet, and Isaiah went to, to the temple every day. And, you know, it's easy when you go in every day to forget that the presence of God is here. And so he went into the temple every day, and then one day in Isaiah chapter 6, we read that he went in and he saw the train of the robe of God. It filled the temple. He saw the glory of God. He saw the holiness of God. And he writes in Isaiah 6, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It was a routine thing for him. And all of a sudden, God, the pillar came down and God manifested. God did something so unique, so different. And folks, I want to share with you that that is what God still does in the church today. Not necessarily in a vision or a dream I'm talking about you come in here and you don't know why you're coming in, but the Spirit of God does something in you. I have left many times from church and said, I'll get in the car and I'll say, honey, God did something there today. And she'll ask me, what was it? I say, I don't know because I'm not God. But I sensed his presence. And you know, whether I sense it or not, his presence is always here. And that's the temple. Now, listen, the scriptures tell us that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you have this individual relationship with God. But there's a unique thing that God gave us of the church. And when we come together, we are the church. We are this temple of God. And sometimes we just look at it and we say, it's just a human institution. It's not just a human institution. It is human. There's a lot of humans around here. Sometimes humans hurt each other, don't they? Sometimes humans step on each other's toes. Sometimes humans, we're, we're fallen humans. We're saved by grace, and God saved us, and he's given me this new life, and it's all because of him. But I'll tell you what, that's the hard part of dealing with churches. There's humans. But I want you to know it's the only human institution that Jesus started, and it's the only place where he said he will display his glory. 
He, the only human institution where he will display his glory. This is what God has done. So I want to encourage you, don't miss out on the glory of God. Like Isaiah, going in day and day, and then all of a sudden, wow, the holiness of God. I want to encourage you, you know, like Thomas, doubting Thomas. There was a gathering of the disciples, and Thomas missed it. And Jesus showed up. You know, I often say, don't ever miss church because you never know when Jesus might show up, right? That's what happened, right? That's what happened there. They were gathering together, and Jesus showed up. You never know when the Spirit of the Lord is going to do something in your life. And you say, well, I'm just not into it. it, don't, it don't, you don't have to be into it. You have to be here. You've got to be with the family of God. It's not about, you know, it's like, like when your kids are little. You don't say, you know, if you like dinner, you can eat it today. As a parent, you're like, mash them peas up. I don't care what it is. Get them down your throat. Right? And that's the way it's got to be with the, with, with the family of God. You know what? Sometimes I don't wake up and say, man, I feel like the pastor today. I don't feel too much anything anymore. That's what happens after you hit 50. You just, your feelings go down, right? Listen, it's not about my feelings. It's not about emotion. It's about the presence of God. And so whether it's the gatherings on the weekend, the gathering in a small group, the gathering in, in, in your home, listen, the spirit of the Lord, God is going to do something. Uh, in 1857, there was a man named Jeremiah Landfair. He was in Manhattan. Population of Manhattan at that time was about 800,000 people. He decided to have a noonday prayer meeting. And so he advertised to come for a few minutes. It would be from 12 to 1, but just come in. And if you can even stay for five minutes, that's fine. So he did this. He promoted it. And uh, first day, it was him by himself. Pretty soon, there were one or two guys showed up. Pretty soon, there were 10, 20 guys. Two years later... Because the body was meeting together, because the temple, the spirit of God was coming out, 10,000 people began praying all over Manhattan within two years. In that two-year period, anywhere from 50 to 80,000 people came to know Jesus in Manhattan. The population was only 800,000. That's 10% of the population came to Jesus Christ in 1857. In the 1900s, early 1900s, the Koreans, there was a movement that started in Korea. And again, remember, these places are kind of under shelter, off the radar. People, the church, the body of Christ, listen, the the, the presence of God is not just in Jerusalem, it's everywhere. So, Two or three, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. So when two or three people in, in, in Korea got together, the movement started. God started a movement, and all of a sudden, man, it went like wildfire. And estimations were that one-third of all Koreans na- came to know Christ in, the ni- in 1900. One-third of the Koreans at that time. Folks, I want to encourage you. God's got big plans for us as the temple of God. We get to come and display the presence of God to this world, to this community. And I want to encourage us, let's pray big prayers. Let's not just come for what I'm getting. Let's come for the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God has called us. We are His ecclesia. We have been called out together. Let's do it for that. And pray like Isaiah did in Isaiah 64.1. In Isaiah 64, he prays this. He says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, 
that the mountains might quake at your presence. What would happen if we as a church began to pray that, oh, Lord, that you would show up on Wednesday night to Canopy Kids, that little kids would become on fire for Jesus because you showed up on Wednesday night at 630 God, what would happen if if we came and said, Lord, on Sunday morning, draw lost people into here. God, we want to bring people unto Jesus Christ. Oh, that that pillar of cloud would come down. Oh, that the Spirit of God would be upon our church. That the mountains might quake. That the whole town will know. This week, I got a little little upset. As you know, Finleyville's been on the news. A lot happening in Finleyville. It's a small town. But God placed this church for Finleyville. His ecclesia. Not just for Finleyville, but for South Park, Bethel Park, Jefferson Hills, Baldwin, Cannonsburg, all these areas that we're reaching to. My prayer is that God would come down I don't want to see another person die in my community without Jesus Christ. I don't want to wake up on the news and find that less than a mile from my house somebody died and was kicked out on the road and they never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. I don't want to, I don't want to see these type of crime and all these things come into our community because we are here. We have the presence of God and you have the presence of God in your community. And so as we come out here, that's my prayer. God, change our world by you coming down, but it's going to be with us. It's not me on an island. The church is not about me. It's always been about we. And so as we go together, we get to make these differences Number two, we are called to worship. As the church, we are called to worship. Look here, he continues on, verse 5. You also, like the living stones, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are the temple of God. We have a role. And he says you are a holy priesthood. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are a priest. Go ahead. Yeah. It's a little awkward, isn't it? You are a holy priest, that he says. Now, this doesn't mean you have to take the vow of celibacy. (laughs) It doesn't mean all those things that you think when you think of a priest. Here's what he was referring to. I have this picture here of the, the Old Testament priest. It's an artist's rendition. The Old Testament priest would come in. And they had these robes on, and you go read it in the, in the Old Testament. It's powerful. Everything on there meant something. He has a stone on there for all the, all the tribes of Israel. I mean, it was incredible what God, God did. And so that would be a whole study in and of itself. But the priest would go in, and he would worship. He would worship the Lord, and he would facilitate worship. And he would help people to worship. So not only did the priest worship, but he helped other people to worship. And so that's our role in this this living temple. We're living stones. Uh, One of the things that the priest did in the next picture is the sacrifices. They came in and they presented sacrifices. So the people would bring their lambs and their, their different animals. They would have to slay these animals. It was hard work. I've often said I'm so glad that we don't have a sacrificial system. I don't think I could have made it too long. Killing all those animals, 
As a matter of fact, you know the priest, they were only allowed to be priest in the Old Testament from the age of 30 to 50 because the work was so laborsome. After 50, they could continue to do prayers, but they could not do the sacrifices anymore. Uh, he says here in the scripture, he says that, you know, we get to, we have the job, we're a holy priesthood, and we offer spiritual sacrifices unto the Lord. So we get to offer these spiritual sacrifices. We're a royal priesthood. We get to worship, number one. I want you to think about that. He says here, you're a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. So not only do I get to worship, and listen, worship is powerful. And worship is not just song. It is taking my eyes in adoration to the Lord. I always tell people, man, the reason for worship, you know, you sing a song like, How Great Is Our God?, The reason that you sing that, how great is our God? Because pretty soon you begin to realize how little is my problem. Because in the vastness of God, the greatness of God, he's given us all this incredible, uh, his power. He's ours. He's our God. We're his people. And so as we come before the Lord, we get to worship. We get to help other people worship. And then we get to give spiritual sacrifices. So what's a spiritual sacrifice? Well, Romans 12.1 says it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I want you to think about this, a, a living sacrifice. When I was a kid here, they used to come into Sunday school. I was eight, nine years old, ten they used to come in and say, now if the Russians were to come in and say, if you believe in Jesus, we're going to kill you, how many of you would admit it? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Scared to death. God's not looking for a dead sacrifice. He's looking for a living sacrifice. What if your worship were to go to work on Monday? And do your work as unto the Lord. What if your spiritual sacrifice is your boss said to be there at 9 and you got there at 845? What if your spiritual sacrifice was he gave you work and you were done at 5, but you stayed till 515? What if your spiritual sacrifice was to be a honoring, a God-honoring husband, to love your wife, to treat her with respect? What if your spiritual sacrifice were to be a God-honoring wife, to treat your husband with love and respect? What, 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 if, what if this were the worship that God's calling us to? Teenagers, what if, teenagers and young people, what about the chores that God's given you to do? You know, your parents, they ask you to do things. And this is what we typically do. I remember as a teenager, I was like, oh, come on. I can make five bucks anywhere. I don't need that from you. You know? Oh, come on. What if if your parents asked you to do something, your spiritual act of worship was, okay, Lord, give me the strength to do this, and you clean the tub for them, or whatever they asked you to do, whatever the chore was. Children, what if your spiritual act of worship was to not just get mom off your back? but to truly do all those things. What if on the highway while we're driving and that truck comes up on your tail and starts flashing the lights and instead of you mumbling something 
which you probably shouldn't say anyhow. What if we worship the Lord and get out of the guy's way instead of cussing him out, right? Sorry, a little too real. What if? What if? Listen, what if there was self-control? What if all these things? See, God says, I, you're my holy priesthood. I want you to worship me, to help others worship, and present sacrifices unto the Lord. Present these living sacrifices to the Lord, for we are the living temple. Verse 6, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. He quotes from Isaiah here. So he's drawing on Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah. Now to you who believe that this stone is precious. So for you who've trusted Christ, you've accepted his grace, his love, his mercy. Man, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, this stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Wow, to those who don't believe, they've rejected it. Hey, it's the, and, and they're saying, now he's saying, the scripture says he is actually the cornerstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. He went over, Peter went over into Psalm 118 and he quotes Psalm 118 there. He says that the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And then the psalmist continues there and says, this is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. You see, Jesus was an offense to those that didn't believe. The Messiah, this was the Messiah. Well, it can't be the Messiah. It was an offense. Do you know Jesus today is being rejected? He's being rejected by most of the world, right? You go out there into the world, they are rejecting him. Why are they rejecting him? Because they are offended at whatever by him. Why? Because he gave his life for them. Well, that means that they can't earn their way to heaven. They can't do it by their own power. It means they've got to surrender and come to God. So therefore, like the scripture says here, to those that disbelieve, man, oh day. Verse 8, they stumble because they disobey the message the Greek, it's really the, 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 those that disbelieve the message. Like you're not going to put your faith in Jesus Christ, which is also what they were destined for. Like this is the message that God had for them, but they're rejecting the message. Thirdly today, we declare the greatness of God as the church, as this living temple. We get to declare the greatness of God. Verse 9, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. This was the very language that God used with the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. If you go back and look it up in Exodus, you'll find he called them his chosen people, a holy nation, God's prize, his special possession. That's what God says that you and I are. We, in this living temple, we are his special possession. Ooh, I love that. He says... That you may, you're, this is who you are, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light, into his wonderful life. So light, God called every one of us out of darkness and he called us into light. 
Listen, the temple, the Old Testament temple was meant to be for all peoples. Now check this out here. In uh, Isaiah 56, 7, Isaiah says that my house, the temple, will be called a house of prayer for who? All nations. And that's what God does. He has called us to do this today, that we would be the people of prayer. When's the last time we've gotten together and prayed together? A house of prayer? For all nations. Like, God wants you to bring your neighbor that's nothing like you. Invite them to his temple. Not this building. You. Us. Whether we're having an event outside, whether it's 10 people at your home, invite these people unto Jesus. Peter's talking, taking that mission from from the Old Testament temple, and now he's applying it to us that it would be for all nations. I I want you to catch this. I I tell people all the time, the way to help people come to Christ is through spiritual CPR. And spiritual CPR is this. Number one, it is cultivating. You know, when you have CPR, you you know all the moves, right? You got to do all that stuff. I've been certified. Pray I never have to do that, right? But every believer, God's called us to be the light to all the nations. So as we do this together, it's called cultivating, planting, and reaping. Cultivating, that's to till the soil. So if if we come along with the soil and we see that the soil has been hardened, we come along and we we break up the soil, we build a relationship, we build friendships. That's what the trunk and treat is going to be. That's a cultivating event. We come along and we, we open up the soil and we say, hey, we're your neighbors. We're the neighbors in Finleyville. We're, we're handing out candy. We're, we're, we're just friends. And look, we're kind of normal up here. Sometimes, right? Don't mean ever. No, just kidding. All right? So we're kind of normal up here. We're just a normal group of people. We start to develop this. You do that in your home. You do that in your neighborhood. You go over and you say hi to your neighbor. You, you, you're kind. You do this everywhere you go. Cultivating. Then you plant. We begin to drop the seeds of the gospel. We begin to tell more about the gospel of Jesus. Hey, Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. Just think about that. And we begin to plant. And so we do some planting events. When we do the, uh, the Easter egg hunt, man, they give every kid the gospel. Every kid's given the gospel. And then there are reaping events where we ask people, are you ready to make a decision right now? So, so like... You've trusted Christ. I do that often on Sundays. We do that pretty much like we're going to have this event coming up with the the Christmas concert. That is all so that they'll come in and they'll hear about Jesus. And then we give them an opportunity. Will you trust him right now? That's the opportunity that God's given to us. And I want to encourage you to do spiritual CPR in your life, in your family, in, in your relatives, the people that you work with. I do spiritual CPR everywhere I go. I go down here to the, uh, to, the, to the Dollar General. They know me well down there. I come in there every other day at five minutes before they close. And they know me as the last-minute guy, right? I come in there. And one day I went in at 5 o'clock and they said, whoa, we're not ready to close yet. What are you doing here, right? But I know them. I go in there and I talk to those guys down there. And man, we, we talk about a lot of things. It's amazing what you can do when you start to know somebody. You start to go and see somebody a couple times a week, you know? Just to get toilet paper. It's amazing what you have to do, okay? So, so we go down there, and, uh, and man, pretty soon this guy started to share needs. I started to plant. Started to talk about Jesus a little bit. 
Jesus is the answer. And then I just kind of go. And I'm looking for that opportunity when I can say, are you ready to trust him? I might have to show up a little bit earlier than five minutes before 10 down there, right? But it's the way God called us to do it. I, I want to encourage you. He said we are here to declare the greatness of how God called us from darkness into his wonderful light. And my question is to you, what darkness has Jesus called you from? What did he call you from? Every one of us were in darkness. You may have gotten, come to Christ as a young child. There was a darkness somewhere. What darkness has he called you out of? You can share your story. You know what? Your story is powerful because God gave it to you. Share your story. He continues on, verse 10. Once you were a people, but not, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so he says, man, you are this living temple. As we've gone through this series, we've looked at four pictures of the church. We looked, number one, at the family. I love the church family. I have dedicated my life to the church family. This is what God's called us to. Listen, there are times that the church family can become closer than your own family. The church family is so important, and may I encourage you today. Listen, the church family will always have ups and downs. There will always be humans. There will always be stepping on of each other's toes. There's no other institution like this on earth. You think there's another institution, go to government, see if they'll help you. We know it's a disaster, complete disaster. The presence of God is not out there. Oh, we disagree. It's okay because we love each other. We forgive each other. And I want to encourage you, be the family of God, man. It's not worth cutting off yourself from the body of Christ because you were hurt because you disagreed. It's not worth cutting yourself off. Man, my mom will always be my mom. It doesn't matter what I do. She says I can come and eat out of her refrigerator anytime. It's because she's my mom. And let me tell you, that's the family of God. And nothing hurts me more than to see somebody that has cut off because of the pain of the church. You know why there's pain? Because we're humans. But there's something more here than that human mistake that you saw somebody. There's something more than the person who offended you. There's the presence of God Almighty here. We looked at the body. We said, hey, the church can't function without you. You've cut yourself off because you had whatever issue. God says, that's not how this works. I've seen people through the years, they get disgruntled with church, and they don't go anywhere. There's no, com no communication to the body of Christ whatsoever because they've removed themselves so much from the body of Christ because they had an issue. God is bigger than those issues. The bride of Christ, man, we have a special place. And then today, we get to, we get to experience his presence. We get to share in the glory of God. We get, to, we get to declare it to the world. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed.
Maybe God is speaking to you this morning. Maybe he's talking to you about how to worship him, how to declare his name to the world. Maybe God's calling you unto himself. And this morning, I'd like to give you an opportunity. If you've not yet made Jesus personal, you've not trusted him as your personal savior, I want to invite you right now to call on him. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sins. So if you just cry out to the Lord today and just say something like this, dear Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, you are my savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You were buried and you rose again. And I trust you right now with my eternity, with my heart, with my soul. And for others in this place, maybe God's talking to you about this gift of the church. The greatest part is welcome home. Welcome home. Maybe God's talking to you and and you've gone through a hard time. You had issues. Man, God wants you to see there's something bigger that he has than those human issues. His glory is here. Maybe God's speaking to you about worship. Maybe you haven't been coming in expecting God to be here. Maybe you need to worship him on your work site. Maybe it's a teenager. You've got to say, I'm going to work with my parents a little bit more. I am going to interact. I'm going to do this for the honor and glory of God and through his power. Father God, be with each person as we make decisions. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that we are this living, living temple of God. Thank you for all that you've done here today. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song to the Lord, and let's worship the Almighty. So let our lives be
joining us this morning. As you leave, go in peace and have a blessed week.